Hey everybody, it's Ross Chapman here on the Edge podcast and I wanted to reshare one of our episodes from earlier this year with Leila von Alvensleben. She is a remote work coach and designer and one of her missions is to help people work from anywhere. She has been a remote working uh, advocate for many years and what I wanted to talk to her about was how does this happen in, in real life? Uh, I know some uh, some people in companies want to work remotely and uh, they, they wonder how this can start uh, changing how they work. And I wanted to ask some of the kind of practical questions as to what that looks like. So... This is the interview. I hope to share some new episodes in the next few weeks. And I've got some interesting guests lined up. Uh, more outside of design, because if anything, we're talking about the uh, business of design and what businesses need to know and learn from design to build up those cultures and to develop new exciting products for us all to enjoy so here's the episode hope you enjoy it and uh, if you do why don't you give us a rating why don't you give us a review whether you're listening in the itunes uh, podcast store i've no idea what they call it nowadays uh, or spotify or wherever else so let us know and hope to speak to you soon bye Hey, Leila, how are you doing? Hey, Ross. Good. Good to see you again. Yeah. So uh, I wanted to talk to you about specifically about the work you've been doing around remote design. And I, I know you as a, a person that has, has pretty much studied how we can work efficiently and effectively uh, online through, through most of your career. I wanted to ask you first, how did you get started on this thing called remote design right um so i was a designer for a while before um before doing my master's degree at hyper island and then i went to do this master's degree in um digital media management and in, during that degree i had to write a, a thesis master's thesis and so i started looking into how do you do design as a as a remote uh, participant of a team uh, whether you're a freelancer or whether you're in a, in a working for a company that's entirely uh, remote or whether it's a company that's not remote but has somebody that's remote. Um, so that's kind of how the idea came about. I was just really interested in basically living from anywhere and still, you know, having the ability to move around and not being uh, stuck in the same office the whole time. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I tried to kind of mix my skills with what I wanted and that's how it came about. So are you a, a traveler or do you, do you want to find out more about the world and not be stuck in, in a specific kind of situation? Yeah, I'm, yeah, I would say I am, I am traveling a lot, um, but I have been based in places. Uh, so, you know, I've been in the, I've been based in the UK uh, for quite a bit, um, but I do tend to travel quite a lot. So some people think I don't have a home, but I, I do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and what, I mean, any, Anywhere that we've found remote design um, and uh, specifically 
um, when I know I've been applying to, to roles uh, in, in my past. And um, you, you initially think, well, I can, I can pretty much work where I'm most comfortable. Um, I, I can do my best work because I am not um, distracted and there's you know no open plan offices or anything to distract me. It is, it, are there things where you found that actually um, being, being a remote designer but, but working within a team, um, it, does it hang off technology or do you have to have a lot of self-discipline about things as, as you go about your work? Um, I think you need both technology, uh, self-discipline, and also a culture, a, a mindset, I would say. It's it's more than just being disciplined, but also knowing um, how to em- embrace everything that you need uh, as a human person to work with other people virtually. Yeah. Um, so within teams, you know, I can't just say everybody should be disciplined. It's also knowing how can you be disciplined and still be a great colleague. Yeah, um, yeah. otherwise we just become people on opposite sides of wherever, just, you know, executing tasks and then getting things done. But then there's no kind of team spirit. Yeah, yeah. And are yeah. there particular ceremonies or tools that you have to do? Is it is it every day at a certain time? Or when you're spread across time zones, that, that must be quite, uh, quite a challenge to get everyone aligned as to what the mission is and what problems you're solving. Yeah, it, it is a challenge. And I think the more time zones you have, the more complicated it becomes. Right. Um, but it doesn't mean that, you know, it's not solvable. Mm-hmm. So you, you mentioned tools, which is a question that a lot of people ask me firsthand. It's just what tools do I need to start working remotely? And we know that the technology is there and the Internet's there and everything, you know, should allow us to work from anywhere. Um, but what many people um, fail to realize um, and then they realize soon enough is that you kind of need um, an agreement on how to work together. So it's more about processes and and rituals and habits um, that you're going to integrate within your team uh, mm. if you are working with the team. Um, but even if you're working, let's say, as an individual, as a freelancer, as a, as a contractor, uh, with a group of people, even if it's just your clients, you kind of have to come with, up with an agreement on how you're going to communicate, how you're going to share knowledge, um, and, and so forth. So yeah. all of that is really important. And yeah, doing things regularly helps, and and having things written down somewhere mm. um, so that people can look back at it you know, and, and you have that kind of black and white uh, rule, if you want, on here's how we do this. Um, otherwise, it just kind of becomes vague. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's like this should be a habit, but, you know, nobody really knows what the standard is for this for this particular group of people. Um, yeah. So kind of create like your own guidelines. Yeah. And, and is that how remote design differs um, from any other where you have to over communicate and kind of over document? Is, is that the, the main difference? And I know that um, there's a difference between kind of full remote teams and hybrid teams. Are there different ways of working within those structures? Yeah. So um, I, I would say, I mean, in general, I think guidelines would be great for any company, regardless of whether yeah. they're location in the same location or, or location dependent. Um, but especially within teams that work separately and virtually, you having that over documentation is super important. Um, and I would, yeah, I would agree with you. It is one of the most important things. It's not maybe the only thing. There are so many things to take into account. Um, but I guess the difference between a fully remote team, um, so that means everybody's in a completely separate place and not seeing each other, 
um, as opposed to a hybrid team, which has some people are maybe in a hub or in an office, and then there's other people who are separate, or maybe there's many hubs that collaborate together, yeah. is that you tend to have different uh, ways of collaborating. And the people who stick together and who see each other um, face-to-face more often, they kind of organically have their own ways of working together um, and of communicating. And they can easily forget that um, the person that's not there isn't aware of that kind of information that they've kind of said very casually um, right. in a conversation, you know, over lunch or whatever. So it's really important when you communicate in regardless of whether you're hybrid or remote, but just especially if you're hybrid, just make sure that everybody, when you come online, comes online using their own laptop or computer, their own webcam, and, and just everybody has to be on the same in the same environment so mm-hmm. that we can make sure that we're all in the same, um, getting the information the same way. Yeah. Otherwise, if we have uh, five people in one room and then one person or two people are, are remote, um, there's going to be things happening in that room that the other two people won't won't feel or just they won't be aware of. Mm. Um, and it could be anything from from things like uh, nonverbal language um, to you know some kind of inside joke or to something else that is said and 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 it can be just one small thing that is an added information that the others aren't aware of because it hasn't been communicated the same way. Yeah, yeah, it it reminds me. Um, I I don't know if you've found this. It reminds me of something that uh, Jason Fried said at Basecamp is that you can do remote work as long as more than half of the team are remote because it, it needs to be. The, the majority needs to be working in that way just so you get over the hurdles of, of being in person and, and doing those things that you don't knowingly know about mm-hmm. sharing information and communicating. Uh, and I know certainly in, in some of our instances where we've shown work or made decisions and someone's kind of dialed into a phone call, it does feel like it impacts the rest of, of the group who are around the table because it's it's just this one or two people and it, mm-hmm. it doesn't feel collaborative enough but I think I think tools can help you get so far but like you say it's it's the the, the ceremonies and the understanding that communication isn't just verbal it's it's all the other kind of tenets of it and um, yeah it's certainly yeah. something that I know when we, we've done presentations where we haven't had the technology or there's been firewalls for for financial companies where we've had to do a, a like a keynote but over audio and you kind of say okay can you go to the next slide and go yeah. to the next slide and it doesn't feel quite right but I think we're now at a point where if you've got the discipline you can use the the tools but also have the kind of sense to know that there are better ways of working. Yeah, I kind of, uh, what you're saying reminds me kind of of, of an online etiquette, I would say, that um, we use uh, as remote workers when we're on a call with many people. First of all, we all turn our webcams on. Um, right. Surprisingly, many people don't. Um, <laughs> but um, I would say good etiquette is turning your camera on, uh, muting your microphone when it's not, you know, your turn speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, and then using also, if you can, you know, gestures with your with your head or with your hands to make people understand what, you know, that you're agreeing with them yeah. uh, with simple thumbs up sign, for example. Um, and, and that just makes communication go so much faster. I mean, if we had only audio, we'd be constantly interrupting each other. Uh, we wouldn't be able to see people's reactions on their faces because that's the only thing that we can actually, you know, we can't read the rest of the body. So yeah. 
the face is going to be super important and having everybody's face on the screen is going to help us so much to see what people are feeling like. I mean, it's, it's, it's the best thing we've got. Mm. Um, it can still be very awkward where people just don't react at all and you have these deadpan faces and, and an awkward silence. But if you also have, for example, a facilitator for an online meeting, um, that's going to help the conversation flow a lot faster. Yeah. Um, so there's, there's a lot of little things that you have to take into account. It's not just... I've got the technology, everybody's on Skype or Zoom or whatever, and we're all just talking over each other. You have to kind of think about how you're going to be guiding this conversation and and how you're going to encourage people to, to you know, be in a space that is going to allow everybody to understand them um, yeah. clearly. Yeah. And 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 you mentioned facilitation. You're you're doing a lot more of that nowadays. So uh, tell tell us a bit about what what you're doing in terms of facilitating online workshops and and the work you're doing with Mural as well. Yeah. So I am actually facilitating uh, for for two um, um, organizations at the moment. One is Hyper Island, which is a, a school uh, where I studied previously, and they have an online course. Uh, which is not related to design, it's digital marketing, but there's still a lot of online facilitation there. So we're using Slack, there's a lot of participants, um, and we have weekly webinars. Um, and then, you know, at the end of the webinars, we have a Q&A, and there could be up to, you know, 30, 40, 70 people online. So we want to make sure that everybody can talk at the same time. Um, and, and then I'm working with Mural a lot uh, more. So Mural is an online canvas. Um, kind of works like like Google Docs where everybody can participate at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, just imagine this online whiteboard. People can brainstorm visually, um, add sticky virtual sticky notes, um, add images, add text, whatever it is that you want. And then you have this kind of virtual wall, which is always there in the cloud for you to come back to at any point in time. Yeah. Um, so with Mural's clients uh, and with, yeah, just in general, people who are interested in Mural, I help to give demos or workshops to to show people how it can work to use this tool at the same time as when you're on a call with everybody and seeing everybody collaborating visually while talking to them. Yeah. Um, and yeah, facilitation is needed for that kind of thing. And so we do a lot of workshops using um, using Mural as well. Yeah. And and d- d- does it replicate? what what you can do in a physical space i.e if you say let, let's generate some ideas does does everyone kind of draw a post-it note and they they draw within mural what they want to share or is there a difference between what you would do in a physical space to to a remote space i think in terms of what you can do mural covers everything that you can do in a physical space and more yeah because you know in in, in the physical space uh i wouldn't be able to put a gif on the wall and you know to to animate you could try that (laughs) i could try i could try to do one of those like flip books where you just uh, (laughs) make a moving image but um but i I think mural is amazing you know you can put links it's always interactive um whereas the physical space the the advantage of the physical space is that you've got everybody's energy in the same room room and people are standing and moving about and i think that physical side of you moving around actually, Mm -hmm. you know, being active is really helpful. However, the disadvantage is that you're going to have to remove all those sticky notes and drawings, like the ones you have behind you. Eventually somebody's going to need that room or that space on the wall. And you're probably going to roll those pictures up and you're probably not going to look at them (laughs) again for a while. Um, But actually uh, 
um, what's great with Mural is that it stays on on the cloud. Yeah. So you can just keep them for forever, basically. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, and you, you, so the the important thing with Mural, you asked if anybody could come online and, and draw on a sticky note or on the canvas. Uh, yes, but you know if if people don't know um, Mural right away or if they don't know how to interact, it's it's I would say it's quite intuitive. Mm-hmm. But let's say you're not very tech savvy or you're just not used to these kind of tools. Um, having a facilitator show you, just showing you once, this is how you do it. You go to the toolbar or you double click, you add a sticky note and you write on it. Yeah. Um, that's going to be, you know, it's as simple as that really. Um, yeah, I, I know through the, the the workshops and the kind of design sprints that we've done, it, it, everything goes on the wall and at the end of the day, we need to take a photograph or, or exactly. 10. And I, I double check so many, like, did it come out in focus like Mm -hmm. i i've recently found um panoramic mode on on the iphone and you can kind of walk across the room but really you can't take that data um in 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 the way that it's it's taken and do something with it you still have to type up you still have to create actions out of it without kind of noticing that that poster is an action to to take forward and i guess the advantage of being remote and digital only is it's it's always in a format to do something with which yeah. i guess is is quite a key advantage and i mean you mentioned taking a photo some people do that and then start transcribing every single post that yeah on an excel sheet or i don't know on something that people can go back to and it's just not the same because you can't just really recluster your <laughs> sticky notes it, it, it's going to be in a very you know, the format is going to be very vertical or horizontal and that's it. Yeah. Uh, it's not going to be very organic. So actually Mural is also coming up with um, with a scanning uh, feature where you can use your phone and scan. So you, it, 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 we do realize that Mural, the advantage of physical workshops um, mm-hmm. and physical brainstorming and visual thinking, but we also try to see how can we merge the two together. Yeah, uh, yeah. And you might do a workshop which is both digital and yeah offline mm-hmm. um so you might use some sticky notes for a bit but then you can scan them you don't have to transcribe anything and then it's instantly you know transported or just yeah. appears in your mural so that's that's a pretty cool feature and they've got things on the software as well like um a timer and some kind of facilitation powers so that you can kind of summon everybody to to look at a specific area of the mural or things like that yeah. just like you would in real life and say you know come over here and look at this look at this area of the wall yeah um so yeah, it's. I, I definitely think that more and more. It's not about having to choose either or. Yeah. Uh, do I do I meet people in person or do I meet them online? It's more about digital is here and how can we, um, as organizations, just transform ourselves to understand that we can we should be leveraging the digital side, but also you know merging the two. Yeah. The, yeah. yeah. Exactly. And and practically, how how does that look like? I mean, do you are you online for you know, seven or, or so hours per day collaborating or do you do you have specific times where you, you check in and collaborate together? And I, I guess over time zones, d- does it eat into, you know, other time? How, how does that look on a on a standard kind of participation workshop? Yeah, so I, well, first of all, the workshops that we've done aren't, they don't last seven hours. We yeah. recommend not more than two to three hours per workshop, just because having everybody collaborating at the yeah. same time and being on a call like this is really intense and it's quite draining. So I don't I don't think we'd be able to talk like this for eight hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
um, even if we were a group of people. So we tend to break it up into chunks and um, we even recommend doing things like, it, let's say you're in a, in a big team, maybe you come online together for an hour and you take a break for an hour or two hours and you know do some individual work that will help the the project that you're working on mm. then come back online share what you've done right you know kind of make it um add add on to what other people have done yeah. and then separate again so it's much more of coming together and going away on by yourself yeah. um and with different time zones that's obviously more tricky d- during the day so you might just need to overlap with somebody um make sure that when you do a workshop think about the time zones and uh yeah try to have two to three hours where you can overlap Mm-hmm. Obviously, if you're trying to get people from Southeast Asia uh, and also West Coast in the U.S., um, that's going to be a big, <laughs> big difference. But we have done yeah. workshops where we have people in California, for example, who wake up and it's like 8 a.m. or 7 a.m. their side. And then it's really late in the evening for something in Australia, for example. Yeah. And if they're really motivated, they'll, you know, they'll stay up. But probably, you know, it's better to do it like two hours long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. certainly. So you're you're doing more facilitation and, and more work in, in that way, but you are a designer as well. Did, do you, did you make a conscious decision to, to work more in, in getting groups of people to work well together? Or, or is it just a, a natural thing that, that you moved throughout your career to, to one that, that is a, a, a kind of facilitator? Yeah, it was totally unplanned. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought I'm going to become a facilitator one day. Um, I mean, I did have the idea while I was studying at Hyper Island yeah. um, because I had some great uh, program managers there who were really inspiring. And I thought, oh, this is this is something that I never thought about as, as, a, as a kind of job. Um, but to be honest with you, I always thought I would just stick to design. So I used to do, um, actually studied interior architecture and then I went to graphic design, print design, then web design and then UX design. Um, and I, I guess I'm somebody who's constantly curious and once I get the gist of things, I might not specialize deeply into that, but I just kind of want to, you know, move on to the next, Mm -hmm. next thing that's, that's going to help me do something new. Um, so I think facilitation came kind of, yeah, kind of, naturally and spontaneously um as i was thinking about how we could teach people to do ux design and then um um where i was working before it was a lot of people were approaching uh the team asking us how do we work remotely and and so forth so it just yeah. came naturally yeah i i i find a similar thing you know i i, I call myself a designer i have been a designer for a, a number of years but I, I find now that I'm I'm learning more about how businesses work and how design plays a part of that, and it, it's quite novel for me to to do some actual design now and again, <laughs> because I I find that I I like you have unknowingly found myself in in a space where I'm I'm teaching, but I'm also taking people along with me, and maybe because of the background in design that that's been helpful. But yeah, I, I still kind of get delighted when I'm asked to design a, a small, tiny thing. It, it, it feels kind of, kind of weird, but kind of fun as well. Yeah, I think I think when I design things today, I might des- well design a workshop, for example. Um, it, it's still, you know, you're still thinking about the users and and the experience of it and everything. But it's it's different from say the more visual kind of work that I used to do before. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I don't know if I miss it or not. It's just something I, I think 
what I used to apply back then in terms of um, just general values or or principles, um, I'm still applying them today in the facilitation that I'm doing. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Uh, Leila, that, that's really all I wanted to talk to you about. I mean, I, I think that... It, it, it's it's kind of a situation with with remote where if if done right it can work really well um but you you need to either make loads of mistakes up front or or just have some kind of um uh, persistence of of getting to great and knowing that you know skype isn't the best thing but maybe google hangouts is and i i guess you you learn through doing um but i yeah. I, I find it fascinating where uh people coming into design they they might not live in a, a capital city or they might not live where um they can get um a plentiful um kind of design uh projects through through the door but but remote enables that um but but with that you you still need to be a good designer and yeah. i i guess i guess the 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 best remote designers and uh, end up um doing the best work what 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 tips could you uh give to um anyone thinking that they might either take their whole company remote because of course rent and rates is is quite expensive but also to scale they 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 probably don't want to be constrained by um physical location what 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 would you say to a business considering remote um yeah i think First of all, um, well, just to look at the advantages you mentioned, you know, um, reducing costs, for example, like rent. Uh, but also when you think about some companies that are based in cities like, uh, in places like Silicon Valley, where, you know, hiring a designer there is going to cost you a lot of money. Yeah. Um, being being remote or having remote designers can also help you to find really good talent that's elsewhere, uh, really increase that you know, talent pool and also helps you to uh, not have to hire somebody who's uh, extremely um, expensive. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to, yeah. yeah. Although it, probably if you're in Silicon Valley, you can maybe afford that a bit more than others. <laughs> I don't know. But, <laughs> um, but I think, yeah, just keeping in mind that it's going to require a lot of experimentation and, um, and not to give up so easily. So, you know, I think I've spoken to some companies that, yeah, we tried, remote work for a few months it didn't work out and so we're back to you know being in an office and right. I think that's that's really a shame because it does take a lot of time uh, to figure out your way of working um, for your team you know what might work for for Basecamp or Buffer or any of these kind of big remote companies uh, might not be the same thing for your agency if you're much smaller for example yeah. um, as a design agency so it's really about you know yeah do your research and, and read up about it but keep Keep in mind that you maybe start really, really small with like a like a like one team or one one pod uh, that's working remotely or one department if you're a big organization and use that as a kind of pilot. Mm -hmm. But but not just as like oh we have an innovation hub right there and we're just gonna let them do their thing and and it's never gonna scale. Like really, um, you know, empower them to then bring their learnings to the rest of the team and then kind of scale it up. And I think one thing we've we've learned with Mural is also to have one habit for um, maybe a week uh, or a month and then keep doing that habit consistently without adding, you know, 30 new habits. And then on top of that, once you've got that, adding on another habit and then doing that for another week. Right. Another, and then and, adding another habit. And, and building, just building up. it up. Because otherwise you're just going to to be really frustrated when it doesn't work the way that you want to. Yeah. Yeah. 
it's 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 something that I, I guess you need to over communicate how how you've used this pilot and and what outcomes came out of it yeah uh, and and kind of give evidence to oh you don't have to watch your employees or, or team to make sure they're working you know there, there are ways to ensure that work is being done you yeah. just don't have to watch them all the time and, exactly you know that the, the the proof is is like you say in in a in a pilot or a, a small group doing remote work and, and communicating the outcomes that, that come with it yeah, yeah. Awesome. and it's all based around trust as well yes. which i haven't said yes but, but it's it's a huge uh it's a huge blocker um, to making remote work well so it's really about how can you build that trust within your within your team yeah and that's a whole separate conversation <laughs> I yes. mean, that, I'm that, just dropping it in there and then yeah, leaving. <laughs> yeah no that's super uh, Layla thank you so much where where can people find you online uh, so people can find me on twitter at l-a-i-l-a-v-o-n-a so it's Layla Vona um and then my website which is lilavon.com so they're slightly different i had to add an a for twitter because somebody had stolen lilavon already how dare they <laughs> yeah lilavon or lilavon.com awesome thank you layla thank you Russ. hey so i hope you enjoyed that episode it was one of my favorites from last year and i thought it worthy of sharing again and just listening to Layla talk about what remote work actually looks like from someone that does it day in and day out. I enjoyed learning more about how her final project and uh, her work around what she did at Hyper Island really made a great case for starting remote design within Teams. And I was surprised to hear pleasantly that sometimes using online tools can be better than doing it in real life. I found this myself when we're doing a workshop and we're doing stuff on the wall and then we need to spend time afterwards to synthesize it and move it on to next steps. Whereas if you use native web apps, then it's there and then you don't need to spend that extra time. So I enjoyed and learned a lot from talking to her about that. And finally, really seeing her progression from a pure UX designer to where she now is as a facilitator and more of a coaching role and how being a designer has crafted that experience. So again, one of my favorite episodes from last year and just want to share it again. Thanks for listening. Please let me know what you thought of it from putting a really nice review and maybe a few stars following that on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you are listening to this from. And we are going to start recording some new episodes. It's uh, the start of the year and I'm lining up some cracking content to share with everyone because I've personally found that I'm starting to listen to more podcasts. And if anything, some of them really suck. So I want to help give something of value, give something in a way that I would want to listen to and many others would, and start to break down this barrier of understanding business in organizations and how to make it better. Because we're spending more time than ever doing work and some people are not loving what they do. So let's understand and talk 
and learn from each other. And that's really my mission over the next few months, recording more episodes just like this one. So I'm starting to theme what the podcast looks like. And for the next few months, I'm interested in destroying the defaults. I, I want to learn more from other people that are really changing the game and changing it for the better. So if any of you are listening that think you could contribute to that discussion or you think of a really good person that could uh, come on and we could learn something from, this is a learning place. I mean, that's why it's an audio experience. You can listen to it while you work, while you commute, while you're doing the dishes, while you're doing all the chores on a Saturday morning like I am. So please put in your suggestions. I'd love to listen to them and just provide something that we can all learn from. So thanks again and see you on the next podcast. <laughs>